The DA said he's gonna dismiss our charge, and the judge just looked at me and said, Mr. Puckey, you're a free man now. Wow. You know, <laughs> tears just start coming down my eyes, you know, and I try to hold it in. I told myself, I'm not gonna cry, I'm not gonna cry. I'm Damian Bulwa, and this is Fifth and Mission. That voice you just heard was Jeremy Puckett, a Northern California man who spent nearly two decades in prison for a murder he did not commit. He was talking about the day he was finally released in March 2020, just in time for the pandemic lockdown. My colleague Rahim Hosseini is here. He's been following Puckett, and he wrote the following about his subject. This is the world Puckett was reborn into, of fraying economies and safety nets, of unprecedented restrictions and uncertainty. Some might call that bad luck. Puckett, he will call it a miracle. Raheem, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me, Damien. So, Raheem, you've been following and talking to Mr. Puckett. Tell me kind of how that came about and what you found interesting about him. I actually heard from the NorCal Innocence Project almost a year ago, back in April 2020, just weeks after Jeremy's release, and they were highlighting his incredible story. Um, And so through them, I interviewed Jeremy as well as the attorney who worked on his case. And at the time, I um, I didn't end up uh, writing the story. Uh, it just struck me that he was on, after spending nearly two decades in incarcerated for a murder he didn't commit, he comes out on the precipice of a world that's about to pull back in this really huge way. So... Um, I just let them know that I wanted to stay in touch with them and, and, and follow up with them over over time. I didn't quite know it would be a year of this, but that's what it ended up becoming. And he was really generous in terms of letting me into his life um, and just keep staying up with, with what happened over the ensuing 12 months. All right. I want to talk about that experience for him. But first, can you tell us a little bit about Puckett and, and how he ended up in prison? Yeah, so he, it, his case is a bit complicated, but there was a, there was a murder in, uh, March 1998. The body was found on an East Sacramento County road with, uh, two bullets in, in, uh, the man's head. And they, uh, investigators tied it to, um, what they believed was a, uh, drug deal gone bad, essentially, uh, that, uh, there was some sort of like drug deal involved and, and this person was robbed and, and discarded on, on the side of the road. Now, Jeremy had been to the apartment once where this murder had occurred and someone who was implicated in the crime that Jerry knew as Jeremy knew as an acquaintance, um, put him in essentially, like blamed him and, and, and pointed him out as, as, uh, the killer. The thing is that same person later recanted, but the jury never heard that. And the jury also didn't hear that Jeremy actually had an alibi on the date the murder happened, partially because the prosecution got the date of the murder wrong. Um, so it, you know, that was part of NorCal Innocence Project's work in uncovering the fact that the date when the prosecution said the murder happened, uh, actually didn't happen then. And so once uh, they uncovered that piece of it, they said just the puzzle started falling into place. But it took decades for that to happen. Okay, so when he's finally freed, 
What was that like to leave in March 2020? It was hugely emotional for him. He was he was at the Sacramento County Jail for about six months as this latest, the last part of his appeal process was being worked out. And he was waiting to hear whether the prosecution would um, dismiss his charges or try to retry him. Um, so he he learned just the night before that he got out that he was, in fact, going to get out, that the district attorney's office was going to drop the charges. So he didn't sleep that night. And um, the next day, uh, he he entered the, the courtroom on the first floor of the jail um, and stood in the, the holding cell that they have in these courtrooms and just saw his family and friends packed in, in the benches and and, um, and heard the, the prosecutor make a pretty quick motion to dismiss the charges and heard the judge turn to him and tell him, you're a free man. And uh, he said he got really emotional at that point. So Puckett walks out the jailhouse door and his family is waiting for him. As soon as I walked through the county, county jail itself, mm-hmm. my daughter just jumped on me. <laughs> I didn't have no belt. <laughs> so as she jumped on me, my pants is pulling down. Yeah. I'm like, get off. <laughs> my pants is coming down, you know. But it was just a great, everybody crying, everybody's hugging me, you know. It was this uh that was probably the greatest day of my life. I saw to have my kids, of course, but, you know, can nothing uh, explain that, that the emotion I was going through that day. You write about the difficulty of restarting his life, in part because of the pandemic. Um, and you, you write that he did get some assistance. Um, where did he go and, and how did he try to, to get things done when so many things were closed? Well, I mean, initially... He, when he got out, he went to live with his sister in South Sacramento. And his sister actually was living in Seattle at the time, but she moved here specifically to help him get back on his feet. So she rented a house in South Sacramento. He and his daughter um, moved in with her. And so that's where he stayed for those first few months. But all his plans of getting an ID, getting a job, getting a car, getting his own place. Um, he even said, when I asked him back in April 2020, what what are you looking forward to? He said, I want to try a roller coaster for the first time. He's like, I've always been terrified uh, by them, but I want to get on a roller coaster and, and, and give it a try. All these things he couldn't do because of the pandemic. And so he, he grew understandably quite frustrated and, and somewhat demoralized by um, just the fact that all these things that any sort of normal adult might take for granted were still just out of his grasp. When you're in, all you think about is like, you want to get out, you want to get your ID, you want to get a job, you want to basically jump back into being in society. Mm-hmm. So like you said, everything shut down. I can't get no, no ID. I can't get no social security card. I can't do nothing. You know, so if it frustrated me, like it felt like, I was out, but I was still locked up. Raheem, he talked about a trip to the grocery store, and obviously a lot of people have this memory, but this is a man who's spent all this time in prison, and he said that he almost had a panic attack. Yeah, he he said, um, so this was just days into the shelter-in-place order, and um, he was he was basically told to go to the grocery store and stock up on, on supplies, and he was told to prepare for the lockdown that we were all experiencing. Now, lockdown means something very different in the world he was coming from. So he said he 
essentially just came really close to having an anxiety attack and just started tearing through the grocery store, um, grabbing boxed rice and frozen chickens and throwing them in his cart. Um, and, and he said he, he was running around like his head was cut off. All right, let's take a quick break on fifth admission. When we come back, more with Raheem Hosseini. We'll be right back after a short break. You can support Fifth Admission and the newsroom that creates it by signing up for unlimited Chronicle access at sfchronicle.com slash pod. The first night I slept, I slept there, I couldn't sleep. Mm-hmm. I wasn't able to sleep because it was too quiet. You're used to hearing music, you're used to hearing TV, you're used to hearing people talking, you're used to hearing the seals walking, the keys clanging, or doors shutting, mm-hmm. you know? So I'm used to that. So when it was just complete quiet, I'm like, it's too quiet. Welcome back to Fifth Admission. I'm Damian Bolwa. That was Jeremy Puckett, Northern California man who spent nearly two decades in prison for a murder he did not commit. I'm joined by Rahim Hosseini, who has his story about leaving prison during the pandemic. Rahim, I want to ask you, what was it like to spend time with with Jeremy Puckett? We, you know, we sometimes write about these people who've uh, suffered these great injustices. What what was it like? What what are his emotions about this wrong that was done to him? I mean, it's quite striking. I was struck by his lack of bitterness and negativity and resentment. I, I mean, I've I've been speaking with him for about eleven months now, on and off, and he just leads with gratitude, both for the people that never gave up on him as well as his family, um, his attorneys. He, you know, he, he doesn't talk much about what was taken from him um, unjustly. He focuses on the people who helped him get back his life. Um, and, and he's just like a really sweet-natured guy. He's quick to laugh. Um, you know, he's got, uh, just seems like a guy with a lot of character and a lot of positivity. And his family didn't give up on him either. No, uh, no, you know, like he he spent about, you know, most of those 19 years in the Central Valley prisons, which weren't completely easy to get to. But he still had his uh, loved ones calling him, visiting when they could, um, writing letters. Um, and he, you know, the attorney from one of the attorneys I spoke to said, a lot of people don't have that kind of support when they go away. And I even asked Jeremy, like, you know, you were the only one for such a long time insisting on your own innocence. Did you ever feel like people around you stopped believing you? And he said, yeah, some people, you know, lost the faith, but the people that mattered most to him didn't. They, they never stopped believing that uh, what he was saying was true. All right, so he's rebuilding his life, and he has difficult getting doing all these things in the pandemic. But he but he starts to get things going, right? You read about how he is uh, making a lot of progress. Yeah, things really start to unlock for him um, around the summer, kind of when stuff started reopening statewide. You know, as uh, infection rates started to drop again, and 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 our, our tiers started changing. It really, it really like hinged on a DMV office opening. Um, because once he got his ID, he was able to get a job through a temp agency. He was able to get, um, an apartment through this org- organization that helps, um, exonerated individuals. He was able to, you know, just 
kind of get start getting furniture and, 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 and doing all the things that a lot of us take for granted. You also wrote that he got a place to live and that he is getting some financial help. Yeah, uh, this is pretty interesting. I, I didn't know about this before talking to Jeremy, but there was an assembly bill um, enacted or, or signed into law in late 2019. I, I believe it went into law last year um, that uh, provides for four years, up, up to four years of rental assistance to people who have been exonerated for crimes they didn't commit. And so partly through this organization, Exonerated Nation, which found a, uh, a townhome uh, in South Sacramento where Bucket could live, um, they helped kind of connect him to to this bit of funding that was available for him. And you also write that he met someone, and I believe is is he in Denmark now? He is in Denmark now. Yeah. Um, so what happened? He, so he um, he met he and and this uh, woman met two years ago online while Jeremy was still in prison, and um, uh, Jeremy didn't talk too much about it. <laughs> he said, um, you know, they they connected, they found each other, and at at the time, you know, neither of them knew this was going to go anywhere. Um, and I don't even think two years ago, Jeremy knew if he was quite going to get out. Um, but, you know, as time went on, as they talked more on the phone, and then once he got out and he was able to just talk to her more regularly and they were able to FaceTime, um, their, their sort of budding relationship just started to blossom. And, and so the opportunity came for him to actually go to Denmark to meet her and so he took it and he he left right around the anniversary of his getting out like he arrived i think the day before um the anniversary for him so looking back at a year after leaving prison he also seemed to reflect that maybe he'd picked up some things in prison he'd been able to use on the outside yeah so um you know in prison he, he remarked that lockdowns could go months, you know, weeks or months. And, and when you're an inmate, you're not told how long they're going to last or when they're going to end. And he, he said he had cellmates who sometimes had a hard time dealing with this. They would just paste their small six by eight cells, you know, kind of in, with anxiety. And he would tell them to calm down. Like there's nothing you could do. And so Jeremy's big on routines. Like he finds routines that give him a sense of control. And he's kept up a lot of those routines in, in the outside world. He works out regularly. Um, you know, he reads, uh, there, there are certain shows he, he likes. Um, and he was able to sort of bring this, this philosophical approach out into the world. And I think it helped him, um, more than, you know, like I, I know a lot of us have struggled with, with the pandemic and he seemed strangely equipped to to handle the uncertainty of it all. I know we have one more clip. So here's Jeremy Puckett talking about how shelter in place compared to his time in prison. And I think sometimes people can find that horrible because they're used to being out and about. Mm-hmm. Me, I'm used to being in a box, basically. So I, you think this is horrible? <laughs> this is nothing, you know? <laughs> all right. It's an amazing story. Raheem Hosseini, thanks for joining me. Thank you, Damien. To read Rahim Hosseini's story on Jeremy Puckett, go to sfchronicle.com. 
Thanks to Rohaim for joining me. Thanks also to King Kaufman for producing this episode. And thank you for listening.